Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by producer JL, John Luke Shapiro. On this week's show, we're taking stock of a Rangers team that through 14 games has experienced lots of prosperity, but with a heavy dose of adversity. We'll also welcome in a special guest for the first time this season, our Blue Seat Blogs colleague and Rangers prospect guru, Will Wright, joins the show to chat about the next generation of New York Rangers. And then after that, of course, we'll get to your questions uh, and answer all those. So with that, say hello to you, JL. How's everything going on this fine Wednesday evening as we record ahead of our uh, our next episode drop? Everything's good, man. Good vibes, dude. Yeah. Also, I <laughs> it's nice to be back. Thank you. Also, I regret to inform everyone that we do not have Jacob Truba on the show tonight, so that's mm. not our fault. Um, We're working on special guests, including players. <laughs> not really. This is a fan podcast. Look, we hear from the players yeah. a lot. Would love to talk yeah. to a player. Don't get me wrong, but... We keep yeah. it fan focused. We like to hear from interesting mm-hmm. people. Obviously, our our blog colleagues. I think we're going to get Connell on the show really soon. Rob yeah. Luker will be on the show again for sure. So yeah, no no Jacob Truba this week. No, sorry, we couldn't we couldn't get I couldn't lure him in with the coffee. I don't think that was too enticing enough. But uh, uh no, I, I'm, I'm it's it's good. I, I love the way that the team's going. We'll talk about it in a second. But I mean, uh yeah, I'm just I'm feeling great. This is awesome. Yeah, so as I said, 14 games in, we're we're currently in the middle of a of a very strange uh, and anomalous five day break in the schedule. So no games at all this week. Of course, the Rangers looking forward to a huge matchup with the New Jersey Devils. The lineup will include Jack Hughes. We learned uh, a couple of days ago he's you know trending at least towards being able to play in Saturday night's game. So you know that one's that's one that everybody's had circled on the calendar, but. You know, I thought it was a good chance, you know, at least for this first segment of the show. Uh, And then, of course, we're going to talk prospects. This really is kind of more of a big picture type of episode. Um, But just to take stock of where the Rangers are through 14 games, you know, look, 14 games, that's roughly 20 percent of the schedule. The Rangers are 11, 2 and 1, right? So comfortably in first place in the Metro, comfortably in playoff position, which with Thanksgiving just a week away, as you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, crazy to say, by the way, that Thanksgiving is so soon. Um, know, tell me about it. Yeah. Where did this year go? I um, know. <laughs> you know, it's pretty much everything you would have wanted from the start of, a, of this season with a new coach coming off of the disappointment of last season. You know, we've talked a lot about Laviolette. We've talked about, you know, what what's going right for the Rangers. But I did mention the adversity, right? They're, they're dealing with a, a, a spate of injuries that are significant to significant players. And, you know, certainly, JL, you know, maybe we start with Filipito because, you know, he was hurt two weeks ago, has not skated, has a history of concussions. Obviously, that hasn't been confirmed, but it's been heavily spoken about. And it seems pretty much the case that that's probably the injury he's dealing with. So, you know, you said the vibes are good, which they are because the team has a great record. But, you know, do you have concerns about those injuries, Pedal specifically, and eventually the depth getting tested on this Ranger team? Oh, no, 100%. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not something that we can just brush off. You know, we're lucky enough that the team is performing well uh, at this point of the season. I know that uh, we were a bit worried after the Nashville game, but then the road trip came around and they just kind of, you know, extinguished a lot of those fears. But, you know, um, when it comes to Hedl and his health, this is not his first concussion, unfortunately. And it seems to me that every season he finds his way into long stretches on the injured list. And whether that's part of his conditioning or that's just how he's built, um, it is it is a bit concerning because this was going to be the year, and it still is, obviously, it will be once he comes back, but this was going to be the year that he was really going to take that, you know, the next, next step, which was going mm-hmm. to be the number two guy behind Mika. And while Vincent Trocek is filling in admirably, you know, in his place, you know, that line has just been absolutely ridiculous. Um, you still want to see Phil there and you still want to see them get together because the more depth, the better. You know, we've had conversations ad nauseum about center depth and how that's important for a contending team. And 
there really isn't much of an answer I don't see to replace him right now. So the the heel injury is definitely going to be more concerning as he is continued as his absence continues. Um, as far as Fox goes, um, th- obviously they don't disclose the injury on what they have exactly. You kind of find that out through the grapevine somehow. Um, but you know that one. It, 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 I'm not too concerned in that sense. You know, they did the right thing by putting him on long-term IR. They did the right thing at shutting him down. They made sure that they got the cap space they needed to make the spaces to fill in the death spots. Um, I just don't know how he's going to react when he comes back. I know he's good enough to just, you know, come back for whatever, you know, after, you know, different types of injuries because he's done it before. But my main concern is that I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and we but we were at the game when he got hurt, him and Phil and Igor, mm. crazy enough. Um, and we thought that he broke his kneecap. And it, it looked bad seems, when it happened. Yeah. Right. And you could, and even though Fox was able to skate on, you know, you know, normally after the fact, obviously that's the adrenaline more than likely running through. Um, you know, the cause for concern for Fox when he comes back is not necessarily his mobility, but just kind of his adjusting, you know, to the game after he comes back, whether or not he adjusts quick or slow, there is obviously going to be a time period when he's going to be a bit off. And as far as Igor goes, I'm not too worried about it. Goalies get banged up all the time, but, um, you can only hope as a fan that by at least the middle of December, we have two out of the three back. Obviously, with head injuries, you don't want to really rush them too much. We've seen the cautionary tales about that. Um, but in Phil's case, it, it is very concerning because this is not his first rodeo. And it gets to a point where, you know, we were having this discussion in the chat you know, whether this could be something similar to a Michael Sauer situation, maybe not be as drastic. Because I think that hit was completely, you know, unnecessary. And, you know, the way he slammed his head was, you know, it had such force behind it, that hit. But it does kind of make you think, like, will he be the same when he comes back? Because head injuries are always tricky. So that's kind of the real concern right about now. But with the way that the team is playing and the way that LaViolette has everybody prepped, I wouldn't... uh, I wouldn't be too concerned right now if this if the injuries keep picking up and they have these kind of absences after a while, then yes, that that's definitely a cause for concern. Yeah. And doesn't it seem with Phil, who has had really bad injury luck, as you mentioned, JL, that it always seems to come right around a time when he's really getting his game going. Always. Um, you know, I can remember him having a really good start last year. And then ha- having, you know, to take a pause because of an injury. And then he came back and like, he had a great year last year. He was definitely mm-hmm. um, the best of the kids. Obviously he's the oldest. So he's got a little bit of a couple of years on, on Kako and Loft, but you know, he was the one who popped the most out of those three, right? Those three that were getting so much mm-hmm. attention and, and scrutiny. Um, and he finished with 22 goals. His shooting cooled off, you know, the last quarter of the season or so, but he got, I mean, he was scoring in every game in February, it seemed January and February, it seemed. Yeah. Um, certainly oh go ahead no i was just gonna say and and the one thing that this reminds me of and i'm not comparing him to this player it's just kind of similar to how they react after they come back from this head injury um so i i did a i did a a piece for the site you know involving eric lindros and his time Mm -hmm. with the new york rangers and you know there's a video attached to it of all the goal most of the goals that he scored with New York but one of the things i noticed in doing the research and, and rewatching a lot of the games cuz i used to watch them when i was younger um but i don't really i couldn't really analyze them as a kid you know as i can analyze them now as an adult and i've noticed that in the times i saw Lindros play with New York compared to when he would play with Philadelphia obviously the game was completely different on his part he wasn't as aggressive and he had a couple of head injuries with the rangers and i noticed that in the clips that i saw when he came back from head injuries he was not as aggressive and obviously he was already at the tail end of his career but with phil i've noticed that same thing where once he comes back from a head injury he kind of tend, and, you know, obviously you can't blame the guy, you know, that, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm no professional athlete. I'd probably be all over the place if I had to come back and play a high speed game after sustaining a head injury, you know, but I, it's just kind of the parallels are similar there in that, you know, I see that he's very tentative when he comes back and he goes on this like 
cold streak. But I'm hoping that now that he's a little more comfortable, he's older, he's stronger, and he's he's he has better chemistry with Panarin and Lafreniere, that that cooling off period can be a lot shorter than it would be in the past. Yeah, Rick Nash comes to mind as well. He he had a couple of right. years with the Rangers where he had a concussion and then he really was never the same. And and like you said, is that a combination of trying to stay away from contact a little bit, which I don't blame a guy for doing that? Or is it also, you know, maybe some lingering effects? You know, I, I know the concussion protocol and the way they approach those injuries is a lot more, you know, sound now. And it's it's done in a way that's a little bit independent of the team, certainly independent of the player's judgment. You know, they really don't want these guys coming back from concussions too early because of all the, you know, horrible stories we've heard over the years about CTE and, you know, all of the side mm-hmm. effects and the, you know, the quality of life issues, frankly, that a lot of players have uh, right. who have had chronic head injuries. Um, you know, so Rick Nash, certainly Eric Lindros, a little bit of a further back example. Um, so we hope that, as as you said, JL, that with Phil, it's, you know, th- they are just, you know, they can clear this completely. He can come back and be his aggressive self. And, you know, the Rangers get their number two center back. Now, let's let's answer this question because it started to pop up. When he comes back, do you break up the second line as currently constituted, right? You know, with Vincent Trocek having slotted in perfectly, you know, Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere has has been just as good, maybe a little bit even better than Panarin, Hedo, Lafreniere. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Panarin is the engine that makes it go. Laugh is playing with insane confidence right now and and hopefully that continues all season it's a tough little question for peter laviolette and i wonder you know what your thought is on on which way you know might be best to go there uh for the time being right off the bat no because they're they're clearly rolling and uh this is what we saw you know last season before Gallant decided to mess that up so i think for the betterment of the team you keep them together for a you know a period of time you know, depending on their production and how they're doing. And also it kind of gives Phil some time to kind of, you know, uh, get back into it on the third Mm -hmm. line, low pressure, you know, kind of just ease your way back into the lineup. Obviously he'll still get second power play minutes, obviously, but you know, if you want to kind of ease him back into the game, you stick him with Kako and um, Cooley, which I think would make a great pair, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, you readjust the fourth line you know, drop Benino back down and I, I, you know, I keep, keep it how it is for now. It, it, it doesn't seem, you know, maybe if they were, if they were struggling a bit and they weren't really generating much, then yeah, I'd say, you know, throw it in there, see what happens. But, you know, Vincent Trocek has definitely surprised me. I know we've had this conversation a lot, you know, on, on the podcast and off that Vincent Trocek kind of overhandles the puck a bit too much but he seems to have kind of adjusted to Panarin adjusted to Lafreniere and he just kind of has to just be there you know he can make the good pass and laugh and and Panarin do the rest so they're killing it right now you keep them going Phil comes back you put him on the third line with Cooley and Kako um, and they'll take care of the rest you know and and maybe you want to go a step further too is if if Kako ends up uh, performing a lot better you know on that third line, you stick him back on the first line with Kreider and Zibanejad, and now you have both Heedel, Wheeler, and Cooley, which I would also think is a very good combination. So there's a lot to work with that uh, Laviolette has um, in front of him, and I, I think he'll he'll he he has a good feel of the team, so I think he'll know what to do. But in my opinion, I think they should just keep Trocheck up there for now. I tend to agree. And, and obviously this can change because first of all, we have no idea how long it's going to take Filipino to come back. Right. So look, if, if it's status quo with the Rangers, if they're winning, you know, if they're getting 85% of the points available to them, which they have so far this season, uh, and that continues, then, then I agree. Then you're going to, you're going to slow walk Heedle's return. You know, you might move some pieces around. Like you said, does Kako get another look on the top line? I think Blake Wheeler has been pretty good. I, you know, I, I, I only I, I get the hate because it's an easy thing to hate, right? He's an older <laughs> player. There's there, his yeah. counting stats are not great, but his underlying numbers are fine. He's clearly started to get a little bit more comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. He got his first goal against Minnesota. He 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 uh, set up uh, helped set up the first goal of the game against Columbus off the rush, right? He made the pass to Gustafson, yep. who then fed Kreider. So he's involved, you know, and mm-hmm. and it's just not 
uh, he's not a player that I worry about because he's such a veteran. And I think the other thing that you just said, JL, which I think makes a huge difference is LaViolette has a feel for the team, right? That That is really what this is all about. Look, we we can talk about tactics. And, I, you know, I've tried to learn a little bit more about that stuff. And, you know, again, maybe when we have Connell on the show, we can dig into some of that in a little bit more detail. You know, how how are the Rangers playing differently? What are the adjustments they make, right? And Connell's mm-hmm. great at kind of explaining that stuff in, in layman's terms. But right. I think what is so clear to me, right, even if you take all of that out of it, is the... Uh, feel for the team, the relationship with the players, you know, the finger on the pulse that Peter Laviolette has of this Ranger team. Perfect example of that is having the family day. I think it was last weekend or oh, yeah, it was, was last fantastic. Weekend. You know, yeah. right. And this is something that, that, you know, we wouldn't really have heard about it, but, but it, you know, I think there were a couple of pictures on social media and the, the, the beat reporters were talking about it. And then he got asked about it. And you know, yes. Is it something he's done in other places? Yes. Right. That's part of what I, it's part, been part of Peter, Peter Laviolette's, you know, whole, uh, full picture approach as a coach. Um, and look, he's gotten fired from other jobs, right? So clearly it's like, it's not like family day is gonna, is gonna make him co- ranger coach for life. Right. It's all about wins and losses at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. the team has gone through a pretty grueling stretch. The first 14 games, right. The, that, that big five, uh, game road trip, really six, six, uh, six of seven games on the road with multiple jumps through time zones, right? So, and that's kind of was the acknowledgement, right? The guys weren't around their families a lot for pretty much three weeks, right? Almost a full month, mm-hmm. um, you know. And they were and they were clearly physically exhausted. They're mentally exhausted, and you know, just the ability to kind of hit the reset button, keep things light off the ice, but really get to business on the ice. And 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 you know, I've read a lot about very intense practices. Laviolette has been super complimentary of the guys in his press conferences about, you know, how crisp and high energy the practices have been. So, you know, look, I'm at a point right now where, you know, if I log on to Twitter in a couple of weeks and, you know, knock on wood, Philip is back. I'm not going to question where Peter Laviolette puts him. If he puts him right back with Panarin and laugh, fine. Right. I mean, He's and and I think that would only be done in uh you know after careful consideration and and after you know uh talking to the player right can you be the guy you were right before mm-hmm. the injury um right because I'm not going to put you back there otherwise um so uh, look he has certainly earned and I think this is probably true of most of the fan base Lavulette has earned some rope right he's he he has got some leeway now where he can make some decisions that I don't think necessarily deserve to be heavily questioned or heavily criticized because he's gotten everything right so far. Yeah. I, you know, if there's one thing that I think is important to the cohesion of a team is obviously the relationship that uh, a coach has with his players. Now, whether or not that that coach is going to be a jerk, but, um, and not care, but, even if he is a jerk, at least he can demand the respect of his players to play hard for them every night. You know, Scotty Bowman is a perfect example of that, whereas the players hated him. Many of the players disliked Scotty Bowman, but they respected him because they knew what he was doing. So mm-hmm. that that's one example. But then you look at a guy like Gerard Gallant, you know, there've been many different, so, and, and I'm not trying to make this a Gallant bashing thing, um, but there've been many uh, different, coaching vacancies and even with the Edmonton Oilers who uh you know I guess we'll touch on that at some point with uh Chris Knobloch heading up to Edmonton um mm-hmm. you would think that a team like that would have been perfect for Gallant a bunch of guys you know a bunch of prima donnas who want to do whatever they want to do but no one's really called him there've been interest oh the blue jackets were thinking about it the flames were thinking about it but it really goes to show you the difference between a guy being there and the team winning in spite of him, like Gallant or Vigneault. And then you got a guy like LaViolette who, you know, granted he's been fired from other jobs, like you've said, but he's been able to get a lot out of the groups that he's had. Maybe the one exception is Washington, but even then that team, um, that team overachieved. So yeah, he didn't have a good roster in Washington. No, he didn't. So no, that team was poorly put together. And, um, you know, he, he was, he got a lot out of that team. So 
I like to see, I like to read that stuff of, you know, everybody just having a good time because at the end of the day, yes, it's a sport. You're getting paid millions of dollars to win. You take the job seriously, but also these are human beings at the end of the day. You know, we like to talk about mental health and we like to talk about taking care of people's feelings and emotions, you know, not to the point we're going to coddle anybody, but, you know, make these people feel important. You know, the product of a good workplace is if your your supervisor or your boss makes you feel like you're an important part of the process. And I think that's really something that Laviolette has elaborated on with his team, with the players and with the players' families. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I love it. I, I love when I read that I was over, I was through the roof. Yeah, I just I don't think it's any surprise that. He's getting more out of guys that we've kind of been asking, hey, why can't we get more out of these guys? Lafreniere comes to mind, but. You know, I think there's there's other players there that uh, are, are playing a more complete game. Panarin's one of them, right? Panarin's playing really good in all three zones. It's not just an offense and, and nothing else type of game. He's also uh, a lot more willing to go to the middle of the ice um, and and make plays from the middle as opposed to just hang out on the perimeter, which is something he largely did for for the two seasons under Gallant. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, as you said, JL, you can be more demanding of people when you respect them as people. So right. it's really been a breath of fresh air um, with Laviolette. You know, you mentioned Chris Knobloch. We're not going to talk about that at length right now, um, but glad to see him get a chance in Edmonton. Um, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. You know, I, there was a lot of trepidation uh, clearly uh, among, uh, well, we don't know this for sure, but I think the indications and what we read in the media was that the Rangers did not want to go with, a guy like Knobloch who didn't really have any NHL experience, right? They're supposed mm-hmm. to be a Stanley cup favorite contender. They, yeah. they, they didn't want to entrust that sort of uh, job with a guy like Knobloch and the Oilers who were pretty much the most popular pick to get to the finals. And if, if not win the whole thing went to Chris Knobloch. Now is there Connor McDavid influence there? It's a really interesting thing that, that I think, again, we can, um, you know, save that discussion for another time because, uh, I think we're going to bring uh, one of our Blue Seat, Blue, uh, Blue Seat Blogs colleagues into the show because it's time to shift to a little bit of prospect talk. Um, very fitting as uh, Adam Sikora scored his first uh, AHL goal today. So we're going to want to ask about that. we got a, a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about. Uh, for the first time, we're going to welcome uh, into live to, to welcome into live from the Blue Seats. Will Wright is here. Will, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Great, man. Good to finally uh, talk to you. So we've obviously been uh, chatting uh, on Twitter in our, you know, our little Blue Seat Blogs DM group for mm-hmm. years now. Uh, I don't think we've ever gotten the, the I've never had the pleasure of speaking to you. So it's uh, certainly great to hear your voice. Um, <laughs> something we do, Will, for, for uh, to folks, uh, you know, that are new to the show or on their first appearance, uh, love hearing uh, your Rangers backstory, right? So how did you become a fan, uh, first? And then I'd love to hear if you have like a favorite memory since you've become a fan, whether that's a game you attended or just a specific moment or something like that. So, uh, give us your Rangers, uh, fan origin story. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm from New Jersey originally, and, uh, I played a lot of youth hockey growing up out on Long Island and, uh, I think it was a game against the Long Island goals, which had, I'm a 1997 birth year. Um, so the 97 birth year for Long Island, the goals was pretty stacked. They had Charlie McAvoy and Adam Fox. So I think they beat us like 10 nothing. And <laughs> after the game, we went to uh, an Islanders Rangers game. And um, I think this was still back when the home teams would, would wear white. So the Islanders were wearing white. Rangers were wearing blue. Rangers was uh, blue was my favorite color, so I became a Rangers fan. Um, and since then, been I, I mean, I think for a few years it was kind of a more casual thing. And then once I hit around uh, 12, 13 years old, it, it kind of became an obsession. Um, so since then, I, I think probably my favorite memory as a Rangers fan would be 2014 playoffs. I was at the game where Marty San Luis scored the OT winner against the Canadians. Oh yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Lovely. Oh, incredible. That, that was the loudest I've ever heard any building. Um, it was incredible. So yeah, that, that's definitely my, my favorite Rangers memory, but, um, a lot of them are, are those contention years. Um, all those playoff runs were, were so much fun. 
if you don't mind me asking, because I know, you know, and if you don't want to reveal this, that's fine. Um, sure. What age were you when you played in that game against the Long Island Gulls? I was pretty young. I was I was probably probably eight or nine. Okay. Um, but we would play against that team every year. And I was going to say, do you remember anything specifically uh, playing against Fox at that age, playing against Charlie McAvoy at that age? Like, did 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 that did they stand out on the ice even at the age of eight or nine, whatever whatever year it was? And do you remember thinking like, oh my god? Uh, that's pretty crazy how good those guys are. Or is it just not, is, is that not the thought process of, of an eight-year-old? There there was one player who stood out. It, it, those two were, were both very good, I remember. But the, the one player who stood out actually was Jeremy Bracco, um, who I think for a few years was linked to the Rangers uh, during our rebuild years. Um, he was the best player in, in our league by, by a distance. Um, and I, I think he tied Patrick Kane's assist record while he was playing at the NTDP. Um, but yeah, he, he was actually the, the player who really stood out. Um, he, he was the best player in our league by a distance. Um, the other wow. thing I remember is just not touching the puck, which makes sense <laughs> with uh, Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. Um, well, well, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, and, you know, Earlier today, obviously recording this on a Wednesday evening, folks yep. are going to hear it when it uh, drops on Thursday. I believe you've got a piece coming out for Blue Seat Blogs that's kind of your first around the farm recap. So um, I think this is a great kind of way to just launch into it. And I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, before you kind of dig into some of the details, and I don't want you to spoil mm-hmm. the whole party because I want people to read the piece, but sure. where do you give give us a give us like a 10,000 foot view? How do you grade this current? Rangers prospect pool. If you could give it a letter grade and now listen, things have developed, right? They've started to sell off some draft picks at trade deadlines. A a lot of the, you know, guys who made this one of the better prospect pools have aged out of, of, of prospects, right? Alexi Lafreniere is no longer a prospect. Capo Caco is no longer a prospect. I don't know where Zach Jones falls on this, but um, Mm -hmm. if you could just give us a little bit of an overview, right. And, And maybe for folks who aren't as familiar with the depths of the Rangers prospect pool, where do they sit right now in your eyes? Yeah, I, I think I guess if I were to give it a letter grade, um, I think a, a B would be pretty fair. I think that was really bolstered by this past summer um, with that Gabe Perot pick because I, I just think those, you know, having picks with that much upside, having prospects in your system that legitimately have top line upside, um, that's going to bring you up significantly. I think it is a pretty, pretty shallow pool. Um, there are some interesting players that, you know, it's like if every single thing breaks right for them, um, they might be able to carve out a fourth line role. Maybe they could jump up to a third line role if, if there's a need, but, um, I, I think I'd, I'd give it a B. There are two players that I would consider. And I think most people would consider legitimate top six prospects, two more players that, I think could play in the top nine of uh, the Ford group. Um, and I think there are probably two or three more players that if things break right for them could, uh, and you know, they kind of hit everything in their development path. They could carve out some kind of role on a fourth line and maybe a penalty kill um, on the defensive side. I think that's where the weakest um, part of the system is, which I think during our rebuild, that was really the strength. Um, and we see that now with the current team, because aside from Truba and obviously Gustafson, everybody was either, I think most of the players played their first games for the Rangers. Right. That's um, correct. so, um, right now, you know, I, I think Robertson is, is kind of coming towards the end of his, of his line. I, I think it's going to be hard for him to carve out a, out a spot here. Um, and aside from him and, and Drew Fortescue, I don't think there's a, there's much there. Um, so, but I think those, those couple high end pieces really bring the grade up. And what, how would you, same thing. I want to, I want to ask for a letter grade and then we'll start to dig into some of the, you know, some of the individual players that, that stick out to you. Yeah. How would you grade since Chris Drury took over, right? So that we're talking the last three seasons, right? Three off seasons have all been his. How would you grade the Rangers drafting in that time? 
Yeah, I, th I think it's probably because uh, I've done each year a, a post-draft mm -hmm. piece, and uh, I think it's usually hovered around a B plus, um, and that's because I've, I've all three years I've liked his first pick. Um, I liked right. the Othman pick a lot. Um, I thought that I think everybody knows that was just a crazy draft. I, I think the only player that went after them that I'm like very confident and I think everybody is confident is is probably going to be a better player than Othman is Y Johnston. Um, but I don't think many people were clamoring for him at the time. So I, I liked the Othman pick a lot. Um, I really liked the Sakura pick. I think the day of uh, the second round popped up. Um, I put out a list of a few players and, and Sakura was on that list. And uh, I love the Gabe Perot pick. Um, so I've, I've really liked his top picks. I have been critical of some of his later round picks. Mm -hmm. um, just that they've been, I don't know, it kind of seems like tall, overage guys that haven't really produced very much. Um, and that's not really, I mean, obviously you want to go off many things with evaluating a prospect, but you do have to work off the numbers a little bit. Um, and I just think, you know, generally overage players who don't produce, especially at the junior level, um, I don't think that's, that's a very promising sign. I think there's been, I think one player so far, I'm terrible at saying his name, Yaroslav Shmelaj, I think is, mm, is how you yeah. say it. Chem, Chemlar, I think. Chemlar. Chem, that's Chemlar? how it looks. Chemlar, like Chem, Chemlar right? Yeah. Chem, yeah. Chemlash? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. Chemlash or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Um, that's That's been the one, uh, which was 2021, that um, I was pretty skeptical of, and, and he's looking like a, a pretty legit prospect. But um, yeah, I think overall probably... B plus because I really like those top picks and and that's where you need to hit. And um, a couple other players are looking like they're, you know, if, again, if things hit right, they might be interesting. Right. So I want to start with from a player by player standpoint, and JL, you could jump into if you've got somebody you're wondering about or want to get Will's take. Um, but, but I want to start here because I think, you know, look, someone like me, who's not, you know, I, look, I, I've watched the draft and I obviously follow the team and I know the top prospects in the system, but um, I, I'm certainly no expert and I don't pretend to be. And, and you know, if I were even to watch and I sometimes I've been to a couple of Wolfpack games, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'd love to watch them more if they were if there's a little bit more available. But, you know, I don't think I could watch a Wolfpack game and be like, OK, I, I know what that guy's going to be in the NHL. So. I want mm -hmm. to ask about Will Cooley because he's obviously had his, you know, had four or five games last year, his cup of coffee. And now he's become, I think, a pretty solid NHLer to the point where, like, there's no question that he's going to play all 82, uh, you know, health willing uh, yep. for the Rangers this season. Um, a guy like him, right? So he played a full season in Hartford last year. Is he what you've seen of him as a Ranger currently uh, or so far? is he kind of what you expected he would be or is he a little bit better than you thought he would be? So like, I guess using Will Cooley as a gauge, right. For the, this current crop of prospects, like how yep. is he, how has he uh, performed so far uh, based on your expectations of him as a prospect previously? Yeah. So like stylistically what Will Cooley's done so far for the Rangers is what I would have expected him to become. Um, I think a lot of what he's doing, he shoots the puck a lot. He gets involved physically. He's in on the four check. Um, I think he's, you know, he's been very involved. That is his style of play. Um, and that always has been, but I definitely um, underestimated, I think just how, how ready he was. Mm -hmm. um, he had a pretty outstanding second half of the season last year. Um, I mean, I think he was Hartford's leading scorer, Brodzinski led in points per game, but um, Cooley was the was the leading goal scorer. Um, so yeah, I, I thought you know he was a, a good prospect would eventually slot into a third line role again if a lot of things broke right. Um, but I thought he would kind of be in the Othman boat this season of like, he'd just miss out on the team. I thought VC was kind of a lock for a top nine spot going into the season. Um, 
And so I thought he would be probably the first call up ahead of Othman. Um, but I, I didn't think he would be this ready this soon. And and I totally agree. I, I see no way that he doesn't play all 82 games, you know, barring an injury or something like that. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to ask about Adam Sakura. Uh, I mm. love this pick. I thought this was probably one of my favorite picks outside of the Othman pick. Yeah. What do you, in terms of his game on a daily basis, I know he just scored his first, um, his first AHL goal not too long. I think it was yesterday. Uh, what do you see him excelling at the most if he were to make the leap into the NHL? And what do you think is probably his weak point in terms of his game? Because I know he's very feisty. They compared him to kind of like a, a European Brad Marchand. He's undersized, yep. but he's he's very tenacious from what I've seen and from what I've heard. So look, what are his strengths in terms of what he could potentially bring to the Rangers? And what would you say would be his weaknesses currently? And could those weaknesses be improved on? Um, so I do want to get get more viewings of him in Hartford this season, but based on what I've seen of him historically, um, his strengths definitely he and he and Brett Berard are two pretty similar prospects. They're both very good skaters, as you said, a very tenacious player, um, excellent forechecker. I think in the NHL, um, if he if you know things break right and and that's where he ends up, which I think is there's a pretty good chance of that happening. I think he'll be a penalty killer in the NHL. Um, I think at the very least he could play maybe like that Yanni Gord style third line role, you know, like you said, a Brad Marchand kind of a pest. Um, I think that the, he also, in my viewings has a, has a pretty good shot as well. So I think he'll score some goals and, um, you know, not just from distance, obviously being as, uh, I guess in the action as he is, I think he'll, you know, get in around the net and, you know, get some tips and and some dirty goals as well. Um, I think the one thing that I want to see how it looks in Hartford um, so I can kind of just gauge where it's at is his skill level. Um, I think that will go a long way, you know, obviously in determining what, what his actual upside is. Um, I, I tweeted this earlier. I think it's a pretty big jump going from the Slovakian league to the AHL, uh, which is probably the second best league in the world. So I'm, I'm curious uh, when I get the chance to, to catch a few more Hartford games to see what his skill level looks like at that level. Because um, I, I think that could potentially, based on what I've seen from him in the past, be something that, that holds him back a little bit. Okay, so let's level set on... Brendan Othman, because, and, and I think to some extent, well, I don't know if you agree with this. Uh, maybe the best thing to happen uh, to Brendan Othman is the mere existence of Alexi Lafreniere and how his first three seasons went, right? Because yeah. <laughs> uh, so many people, I mean, people were ready to like call him the savior this season coming out of preseason. Cause obviously, and I was one of them, people weren't happy with Lafreniere. The, the team has very little right wing depth. Yep. Uh, you know, as, as we've spoken about ad nauseum, you know, and, and basically the, you know, it was like, this looks like the guy and he had a really good preseason. I, I was certainly impressed. Um, yep. there's, there's skill there, there's size there. So, you know, let's let, I, I'd love to hear from you and kind of your unvarnished take, like, what is this guy going to be? And I think especially in his first couple of years, right? Because, and maybe long-term too. I mean, that's obviously harder to predict. You kind of have to see how those first couple of years go before you can really make that determination, right? But um, where do you see, like what kind of role can Brennan Offman play on the Rangers in the near term, realistically? Yeah, and and not even this past preseason, Rob. I think last year too. Yeah, um, in 2022, people were maybe even myself included at the time. Um, we're we're ready for him to to jump into the lineup. Um, I think Othman, at the very least, is just because of his play style, is going to be a very good middle six forward, uh, middle six winger. Um, I think that the thing is with him um, that. I think some other prospects drafted in his range 
do not have is he has like a clear standout tool that you can use in an NHL lineup and it's a shot. Um, and I think at the very least that's going to make him a weapon on the power play. I believe he's been playing on Hartford's top unit. Um, and I think, I don't know, obviously with the Rangers, you know, in a year from now, two years from now, you don't know what the power play is going to look like, um, what the usage is going to look like, but I think he will play on an NHL power play. Um, and I think he, his style of play just, you know, I, I think, it, I guess it's, it's clear juries kind of prioritize this, this kind of tenacious four checker. That is what Othman is. He's a pest. He's a pain in the ass to play against. He crosses the line. Uh, he did frequently, at least during his, his junior career. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that this conversation topic has come up a lot. It's, you know, what, what is Othman's role just throughout the rest of the season? And I'd like to see him stay down in the AHL, um, you know, get fed those, those top line minutes. Um, but I think towards the end of the season, it becomes based on how he's doing uh, an interesting conversation of, you know, whether, if there's this top nine spot, does Othman get a look? Because I think, you know, at the very least, he's going to be a playoff style for someone who is like a quote unquote gamer. That is what he was in juniors. That's what he was uh, for team Canada. I think in that gold medal game last year for Canada, he was arguably Canada's best player. Um, he was phenomenal and rose to the occasion. So um, I think with him, at the very least, you're looking at a third line forward who's going to score maybe 40 points. Um, but I think the the shot brings it up a level because of that power play upside. So um, I just don't – I'm not sure just with the Rangers lineup when that impact is is going to come. So, excuse me, in transitioning from a, a skilled, tough guy like Othman, I want to I want to ask about – two guys in particular because to me they're kind of the same player maybe maybe not correct me if i'm wrong but um matt rempe and adam edstrom two huge guys who when i got i got to see them play a couple of times uh in preseason games and, and also just on highlights online um mm -hmm. do 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 any of them have a chance at cracking an NHL roster or being a serviceable NHL player? Because I've noticed that, you know, you, you mentioned that Drury kind of has a type and yep. I feel like, um, you know, Brempe and, and Edstrom really hit that, that sort of player. And yep. in the few spurts that I saw Edstrom primarily when he was, uh, he played a couple games at Madison square garden. I mean, the, the guy has serious skill, at least from not like elite skill, but the guy's good enough to move around a rink, you know, yeah, for a big guy, he, he moved around very well. And, and another thing about Rempe that I've noticed too, is that he just kind of seems to also somewhat move around well enough. So being that Ed, Ed Edstrom is a winger and Rempe is primarily a center. Do these guys have a chance at possibly cracking a, the Rangers, at least in the next couple of years? Cause I know they're still kind of young. So they would realistically probably be filling up a spot from like Goodrow or maybe a VC or a Pitlick. Would they fit into what, you know, you would consider a fourth line or a lower third line role for the Rangers? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to, uh, Rempe is another one with watching Hartford. I know Tyler, I think when he went to that, that game a couple weeks ago, he said that Rempe stood out. Um, so I have one that I'd be, be interested in seeing what he, what he's really looking like in the, the AHL, um, based on what I I've seen, I, I don't think he'll be someone who makes an impact on the Rangers, but I think, you know, potentially maybe he, he'd be a good, you know, uh, quadruple a player, triple a player. Um, I think that, um, Edstrom though has actually shown a lot of interesting traits um, since he's been drafted by the Rangers, which I guess was back in 2019, which is a while ago. Wow. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. When when we saw him in preseason, and I think just seeing him, um, you know, what I've seen from him in Sweden, he does have some skill level. He gets involved. I think he's been doing pretty well down in Hartford. Um, I believe he's been on, on their second line. Um, so he's someone who, like, I don't think that the point production is ever going to look like, oh, this is someone 
that we need to to keep track of. But I, I do think he is someone who, um, you know, if, if there are injuries or something or, you know, things break right for him in the next year or two, because um, he is 23. So, you, you know, he's, it's probably going to need to happen relatively soon. Um, I think he is someone who has the the skill level to to at least come up and, and play some kind of role. Awesome. Uh, all right. So last, last guy I want to ask about, and then we'll get to our, uh, our fan questions here and, and wrap up. Um, sure. Gabe Perot. I, I mean, you know, look, I, I kind of just want to let you wax poetic because <laughs> he seems like probably the most highly skilled. Now, now look, Lafreniere kind of like, look, he, he fell in their lap and it was, the, it was the obvious pick. Kako again, the obvious pick. We were excited about them. They came straight to the NHL, right? So there was, yep. there was no waiting period. I think, you know, if you are into prospects as much as you are, and, and, you know, if you're, or even if you're like me, you don't really have the knowledge, but you're really excited about like, man, could we actually have like a potential next big thing, right? That is Perot currently in the Rangers system. Um, yep. He's only a few games into his college career. He's really young you know, we read about, is he slightly undersized? Does he have to really add a step, you know, skating wise, the skating apparently isn't that strong. Um, but like I said, you know, what have you seen? I think you've watched his games, uh, or at least a few of his Boston is his BC games mm-hmm. so far, you know, how yep. excited should we be about Gabe Perot in a, in a few years coming to coming to, uh, New York? Yeah. I mean, like when he was drafted, so just in general, I'm a big NTDP fan. I, I always follow the prospects closely. And like when we had that pick and Minnesota passed on him for uh, Charlie Stramel, like I was literally like praying that we would take Gabe Perot. Um, I think like since, like you said, you know, laughing Kako, I think at the time it was like, yeah, great. We got them. I didn't want the Rangers to big brain it uh, because I was not happy on on draft day when they took uh, crafts off for example or or anderson mm-hmm. um even though i eventually came around on on both of them for better or worse um with perot that's you know it's the most excited i've been about a, a prospect that isn't cocker or laugh since booch um he is um so such a different prospect than leonard and smith and I think that for a lot of people that didn't watch a lot of that team last year, um, because both of those players are, are just like super high volume puck carriers, it, it doesn't always come across the style of play that, that Perot has. Um, you know, Will Smith, excellent prospect, a better prospect than, than Gabe Perot. But you know, he has the puck on, on his stick all the time and he's frequently making mistakes in, in the games that I'm watching. Um, Perot, you may not notice him for one or two shifts, but in that time, Smith and Leonard aren't scoring. It's the next time that Gabe Perot touches the puck and sets up one of them for like a wide open net or draws like three players towards him and sauces a pass through like two other players um that they're getting their points not all the time obviously but it was frequent enough that that i noticed and when over the summer i wrote my scouting report of of gabe perot um and came up with like 20 minutes of video of him i wanted to watch some games of him um in a few different contexts against college opposition against uh, ushl opponents i'd watched all of his international games because i'll always watch uh, team us team usa games when i can um but i also wanted to watch him without smith and uh and leonard and uh, he drove play in those games um in terms of his skating i think it's more about him being uh, when he came into the program a pretty small guy um not particularly strong and i think that um when i've watched him I've not noticed the skating be anything resembling an issue. Um, there are prospects that are a similar size or smaller uh, to Gabe Perot that I have noticed, you know, actual skating mechanics issues. With Perot, I think it's just about leg strength. I don't think there's anything wrong with like his stride or anything like that. Um, and I think it's improved a lot over the past year and a half. Um, he creates separation regularly. He's so smart, so he gets breakaways regularly. But when he gets breakaways, he 
is able to separate quickly and, and actually, you know, create the chance for himself. Um, I think that he's definitely a much more, and you'll see that in his statistics. He, he's way more of a playmaker than a goal scorer, but he will score goals. Um, you know, I'm assuming he will make it to the NHL. I think he's more than talented. I, that I don't think it's like if things break right for him, he's going to get a chance in the NHL. Um, he's going to be a weapon on the power play. Um, and whenever he comes into the Rangers, you know, two years from now, I, he definitely needs two years at BC. He needs to get stronger. Um, that's why I really like the NCAA as a, as a route for prospects. They actually get time in the weight room. They get a lot stronger. Um, so I think that's going to benefit Perot um, to, to a huge extent. But um, whenever he steps in into the Rangers lineup, I think they're, it's going to be hard to keep him off, off the power play. Um, and I think he's, he's going to be a play driver, a chance creator. Um, I think he's excellent in transition and, um, he keeps plays alive. And, and the, the only other thing with, with him being smaller, I mean, he's not like five, nine, he is like five eleven, and he's putting on weight. Um, and I think with his just general puck skills, one thing that translates to is he's an excellent stick checker. Um, so he regularly is able to, to keep plays alive through both his forechecking um, and just winning 50-50 battles, even though he's the smaller player, uh, because he just knows how to position himself and, and get in there. So, um, yeah, I, I, lo I love Gabe Pro. He's an incredible prospect. Um, he's leading that team in scoring. Uh, he's, in my opinion, a lock to be on Team USA. Um, at the uh, the upcoming World Junior Championship, I, I don't know why you would separate that line, um, and I don't see how you could take him off it because he's he's been the most consistent player, and and he should have more points. He had this past weekend against Maine. He, he had a breakaway. He had a couple other chances that that he could have scored or could have been been put away. So he's been awesome. Um, he's a great prospect. Awesome. Well, we're really excited about that, and and obviously we'll we'll keep checking in on his development. All right. Um, JL, why don't we get to the, uh, questions here and we'll kind of, we'll go through them rapid fire if we can, uh, yeah. try to, try to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Will, would love to, we'll love for you to hang around and also give some, uh, give some takes, give some answers to, uh, some of the listeners here. Yeah, sure. All right. So our first question comes from, uh, at Bill Suspill at John Cougar Colleen camp. He's actually asking a serious question this time. Yeah. Which, um, <laughs> it's, he, he writes, that's, a, that's a shame. I, yeah. He writes, is there a prospect in this system? Nobody is really talking about, but whom really excites or intrigues you. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, there are two players. Uh, that come to mind. Uh, the first is Brody Lamb, who we drafted a couple years ago um, out of a high school in Minnesota. Um, he played in the USHL for a year, did pretty well. Um, and then he was on that loaded uh, Minnesota team last year, you know, playing third third line, fourth line role. Um, you know, nothing too noticeable, but, but this year he's a point per game player. I mean, he just had a pretty huge weekend against Michigan. Um, he's pretty big. I think he's 6'1", 6'2", um, a little wiry, but again, he can get stronger. Um, and he has a, a very high skill level. So I think he's an interesting prospect. One of those guys where if everything breaks right, um, I think, you know, there's potential there. Um, the other person, uh, player that comes up, um, comes to mind is Drew Fortescue, uh, third round pick this past year. Um, he has jumped in immediately to a top pairing role. Uh, for Boston College, who are, I think, now the fourth-ranked team in the country. Um, so he's been playing with their captain, Eamon Powell, another NTDP alum. <clears throat> and he's been very good. Um, I don't think with him, like, his stats are ever going to jump off the page. But uh, when you watch him, I noticed last year watching him, uh, or I guess over the summer when I watched back his games, and um, this year when I watch him, he's just a very um, – kind of well-rounded skill set, good skater, great size, can move the puck well. Um, and I like what he does in transition. I think he is able to, to get some good outlet passes um, and get himself involved in the, on the rush. And um, he, you know, when he's in the offensive zone, he's not doing anything flashy, but he'll get pucks on that. And I, I think he's someone who needs four years, but he could play a role eventually. 
Okay, I guess I guess that pretty much answers it. I I definitely don't have anything to say to that. Obviously, all oh, right. Yeah, no, that, one was, that one was for Will for sure. <laughs> all right. Next question comes from our buddy Tyler at Tyler Richard ninety three. Tyler McGillick, um, who impressed you more as a prospect, Gabe Perot or Danny Cristo? <laughs> what a name, by the way. I mean, let's yeah. Like a, very, very that's a, like a very deep cut remember some guys moment danny, danny christo, christo. Yeah. i might have yep. to do that on the next edition of forgotten rangers danny christo did he ever play an nhl Mark? game i don't i don't think he I did, don't, did he? i don't think so no, he did it christian thomas Dan yeah martin, christian thomas was one i was martin i was pretty saint, hyped for was it martin saint croix i <laughs> i don't think you're far off that is the last name i forget his yeah. first name you might be right um that's that's a great question um yeah i mean back in the day i was very excited about danny Cristo. although at the time there wasn't that much in the prospect pool to to be excited about so right um yeah i don't is know there a guy is there a guy well maybe maybe Cristo's the guy but is there a guy that you're like he's gonna be great i'm sure of it and you know i'm 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 asking you to like share a time where you had, you know, egg on your face as a prospect. Yeah. Like, is there just a guy that you kind of look back and laugh like, wow, he just, he never made it. And uh, I was dead wrong about that. <laughs> um, I'm sure there are, are many. Um, oh yeah. I guess one that doesn't apply to the Rangers and, and I know he's an NHLer and, and has put up some points, but I, I thought Jonathan Drouin was going to be like the second coming of Patrick mm. King. Um, yeah. and, and that certainly hasn't been the case. Um, he had one year, right. With Tampa, he, had, he I think he got into the seventies points wise. And, and that was kind of yeah. like, wow. I mean, that was it. It was in, it was in, it was in him to do it. I, I, I think he's had some weird circumstances around him. And I think, you know, I think too many teams, it's kind of almost again, like a, to a lesser extent, but almost like a laugh thing, right? Where it's like, you're supposed to be the savior and you're not the savior. And he almost like couldn't handle the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess so. Yeah. I, was he moved in that trade for, um, Sergachev? Yep. That was I him. believe was so. A, yeah. Yeah. Win. That's what okay. I think he was. Sergachev yeah. for, uh, Drouin straight up. Yeah. That, that was, that was one where I, again, I know he's, he's still in the NHL. Um, I don't think he's doing that well. For, for Colorado right now, I think he has yeah. one point. <laughs> yeah, yikes! He started, he started out with McKinnon. McKinnon, and they couldn't do anything. Well, so. he start he and he and he, he had a point in his first game, so I remember that. And I think if you look at his game log, it's literally one point, you know, plus one or even rating or whatever. And then every other game, it's like zeros across the board and like maybe a minus. So yeah, he has not done much. Yeah, I, I guess aside from him. Um, <sighs> Before our, our rebuild, I, I can't think of anybody, but I, I, I was pretty confident that that Kraftsov was going to be um, a good NHL player. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, both here and in Vancouver, just not the case. I, th I think he has some a couple tools, but um, the application just just isn't there. And obviously, there you know maybe some other things going on, but. Um, that, that was one I, like I said earlier, I wasn't happy when they made that pick. I, I wanted it to be Oliver Wallstrom, um, who also may not have been the right pick. Maybe Noah Dobson would have been the, the mm -hmm. right guy. Um, but, uh, but I, I did think he was a good prospect and, and would play, um, and would play a, a significant role for us in our rebuild. And, uh, yeah, obviously not the case. Um, nice. it's right. Michael St. Just so you uh, know, Saint Michael, Michael, Saint Michael. So, okay. Nice. All right. Next question. Oh, gosh, <laughs> this is from immortal Lou 30. Okay. And this question, I, I mentioned this, I basically alluded to this earlier in the show, but if you, if you didn't see any part of Rangers Twitter earlier oh, today, yeah. then you're not going to understand it. But if you do, you know what I'm talking about? He says, <laughs> If Jacob Truba doesn't come on your podcast, does that make him sexist? <laughs> Man, the, uh, I mean, like, it's, it's true of all fan bases, I'm sure. But I mean, Ranger Twitter can be such a strange place. I mean, the, yeah, the stuff you see almost on even, a daily basis. Yeah, is just, I, don't, I don't even think we should justify that with an answer. Out of this world? No, of course we're not going to justify it with an answer. But it, <laughs> it has to be commented upon in some way, shape, or form. Of, yeah, of course. I, I will say I, I saw Lou um, like I, I 
I, I guess I, I just saw him tweet earlier in the day. Uh, this is like a top 10 day of NYR Twitter ever. Yeah. And I was, was like, what the hell is going on? And then the next <laughs> thing I saw was, was Bill's video that he made. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Oh, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that, that makes him a sexist. I don't know. <laughs> we just didn't have enough coffee to lure him <laughs> in over here, but anyways. All right. Last question. So the, this comes from Mark Panzer at pans 21. So we meet Rob and I answered this somewhat earlier and I guess we'll mm-hmm. get your take on it. Will. um, so he writes worried about Heedle, so would be a good problem to have. But assuming he's back soon and Trocek is still playing well, do you put Phil back on Brett's line or leave it as is for now? He says he's not of the ain't broke, don't fix it mindset, but can see yep. both sides. He says apologize. He apologizes if it's addressed. Don't worry about it. We'll get Will's take on it. Yeah. Um, I am, I think, a bigger Trocek fan than than a lot of people. And I, I think he's fit in very well on that line. I know that line was doing well with Hedl before, um, but I am concerned uh, about Hedl's, just his health in general. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that that line is the one that's producing at five on five. I'm not really off the mindset that they should be split up just for the sake of it. Um, I think Heedle, you know, when he comes back in and, and is feeling healthy again, has that track record of um, driving play at five on five. Um, I don't know what you do with the rest of the lines. Does Wheeler stay on the top line? Do you move Kako back up? I would be interested in seeing Kako, Heedle, uh, Cooley. I think that has the potential to be, at least for a few games, a, a really good line, a lot of skill, a lot of size. Um, a couple of people who will shoot the puck um, and Kako who will skate around the zone with it for 20 seconds before. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good at that though, isn't he? He's he so is. Yeah. That. It's fun to watch, but uh, yeah. Um, so I, I, I think you keep at least for the first few games, maybe five or six games of, of Hito coming back in. Um, I think you keep that line together. Keep Trocek there. He's played well enough. Um, he's producing, and um, I think he keep it as is. But the rest of the season, that that could change. I just think Hedo might need a little bit of an adjustment period, um, which I think you bo- were both saying earlier. It does kind of suck. It feels like every time he gets on one of these these good runs, he gets injured or something happens that takes him out of the play. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but. Um... I think you're right. And, you know, look, I, I, I had a weird, I think, I think personally speaking, cause you know, uh, JL, I know you said you weren't the biggest Trocek fan. I, I, I was kind of there. He, he does some kind of like confounding things during a game. Uh, I do think he overhandles the puck at times. I think he has taken that out of his game this year for sure. Uh, there's a lot more rhythm with Panarin and, and Lafreniere than there was last year. I know that line was productive and, and generated, offense but but certainly to your point will they're they're actually producing this year five on five and yeah um, they're better Trocek looks there. a lot more in sync yeah and then look that's just normal right it took him a year to um to adjust and and playing with Panarin is uh, you know one of those things that I don't think is as easy as people think it is so mm-hmm. um now I think we're all pretty much on the same page there so mm-hmm. um uh all right guys listen this has been a pleasure will any final thoughts you know obviously we talk mostly prospects do you want to give kind of like your quick 10 second uh final thoughts on the state of the Rangers and how you're feeling so far this season heading into uh, a big one against Jersey this weekend. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the Rangers. I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. I'm a Man United fan. It's been a tough start to the year for me. Uh, the Rangers United, have, man, that is, that is yeah. ugly. It's Oof. not been I mean, fun. The Giants is bad, but it's kind of like a foregone thing. That I, the Man yeah. United thing is going to be like forever. It feels like. Yeah. Hard it's not it's not good i i don't enjoy like two hours of my saturday or sunday whenever they have games so um the Ra- the rangers are keeping me going i'm very very happy i'm excited for the game on on saturday uh, my dad is a devils fan um and it is my first day back home uh for the holidays so um should be fun some ribbing um i, th- I guess hughes is expected to be to be back i don't know if mm-hmm. uh or jack hughes um i don't know if if he sure is expected to be back. So um, I think it'll be a, a, an interesting game and I'm, I'm happy with Laviolette. 
Um, I was, you know, I thought he was like a whatever appointment over the summer, kind of the obvious choice. Um, but I think he's, it, it's been very encouraging so far. And, um, you know, I, I don't think he's like in that Brindamore, um, you know, whoever you consider the elite coaches range, but I think he's in that tier just below. And that's why he's been in the league for a long time. Um, that's why he's had so many successful teams and, um, you know, eventually that'll all run out, but it's, it's fun for right now. So I'm just enjoying it. Totally. JL, any yeah. final thoughts from you? Well, it's nice to see we've got someone else from New Jersey here. I appreciate that wholeheartedly. Um, as a Mets fan and Jets fan, I do understand your plight. Yep. So it is nice to see the Rangers do well. I'm really looking forward to that game on Saturday. I just might be there. Um, oh. And you say your dad is a Devils fan. My dad's an yep. Islander fan. So oh. again, I understand your plight. But um, it's always again, interesting. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and just to just to quickly summarize, is I'm feeling good. I love the way the team's going right now. They're they're in a groove. Get it, bank as many points as you can, and then if something tough comes up, then you can hold it off and still be in a good spot towards the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. No, I just I find it. You know, it's why I always ask everybody when you know new guests to the pod, like, how did you become a fan? Because I, I and and even with you two guys, I'm the only one with the classic. Oh, my dad was a Ranger fan, so I'm a Ranger fan. You know, you you clearly didn't take after your fathers for the better, I might add. So, um, yeah. you know, with that, Will, great talking to you. We'll, we'd love to have you on again, maybe around, uh, you know, uh, World Junior time. You know, yeah, that yeah, might, not, might, might be a good time to kind of preview what that tournament's going to look like. Always fun to uh, to watch that right around Christmas time. Obviously, the NHL takes a break, but you got some great uh, international hockey to watch. So, uh, Will yeah. Wright. Thanks for joining the show. Um, everybody who, who listens every week, we really appreciate it. Uh, and we'll talk to you all next week. Awesome. Thank you.